Good morning and welcome to the podcast of the Franchise Business Network in Pittsburgh. We're talking today about new accounting standards which will have a dramatic impact in the field of franchising and specifically their leases. With us today are three distinguished panelists, Jeff Dean of BKD CPAs and Advisors, John Gutaski of the Fox Rothschild Law Firm, and Jim Powers of Ablack Holdings. Gentlemen, good morning. Great to be here. Thank you. Good morning. Jeff Dean, as I understand, uh, new standards regarding uh, leases have been adopted by the Financial Accounting Standards Board, or FASB as we know it for short. These new lease standards change how a franchisee or a franchisor must account for their lease obligations within their financial statements. Yes, you're correct. The adoption of the lease standard is going to be really a huge issue for a lot of companies. For someone who is a franchise restaurant or a coffee store, whatever it may be, the leases for the facility and the equipment typically in the past have not hit the balance sheet. Uh, they've flowed through the P&L as lease expense or, or rent expense. And what we'll see with the, the new standard, which is supposed to uh, be effective in 2020, even though right now the FASB is getting a lot of pressure uh, to push this off one year to 2021, mm-hmm. what, what we'll see is that for any lease longer than a year, uh, it will be recorded as a liability in the financial statements based on the, the present value of that lease. So if you're leasing a, a building or a storefront and it's a 10, 20-year lease, you have to work out the math. Uh, what is the total future uh, lease payments? And then you have to present value that amount. And then you record that as an asset, a, a right-to-use asset and a liability for the obligation on the balance sheet. And, and, and what we're seeing and what we expect is that these numbers are, are going to be big and they're going to have material impact and effect on companies' financial statements. And therefore, uh, what's going to occur is you're going to have uh, items such as loan agreements that have uh, ratios and covenants, and some of those are things such as debt-to-equity ratios, and all of a sudden, uh, to no fault other than a new accounting change, uh, these companies could be in violation of their covenants, in violation of their debt agreement. So if a franchisor owns 15 or 20 or 100 locations, now it's even magnified greater. Uh, With the recording of a liability for all these leases, uh, for each one of the properties and the equipment packages, so this easily becomes uh, just, just a huge number. Jeff, I'm sitting here shaking my head. This sounds like it's going to be an accounting nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, especially for those with multiple leases. There still will be finance leases, what what we used to call capital leases, and operating leases. But now the operating leases are going to be treated differently. So companies will need to identify all leases, determine which category applies, whether it's financing or operating, and determine the adjustment to the opening equity of the financial statements. So the first question after cataloging all your open leases is whether each lease is a finance lease or is it an operating lease ultimately looking at five factors uh, that are used within the standard to determine if it's a finance lease. If, if not met, then it's an operating lease. Well, Jeff, of those five criteria, you only have to meet one of those, though, right? Correct. Yeah, you, you only need to meet one of the five lease criteria. So the key is to categorize and then have systems in place. So just like the FASB 606, you need to figure out what's general, I guess, versus what's specific to figure out what truly is a lease 
And then if so, what type? Uh, I, that adds layers of complexity in administration, but I'm sure over time we'll get used to that and, and move ahead. John Gataski, what are uh, the five finance lease criteria? Sure, test my memory. Um, <laughs> let me see. Well, the first one is that ownership of an asset transfers to the lessee by the end of the lease term. Uh, second, the lessee has a purchase option that is reasonably certain to be exercised. Uh, third, the lease term is for a major part of the economic life of an asset. In other words, it's mostly going to be used up during that lease term. Fourth, uh, the present value of the minimum lease payments amounts to, and I think the magic words are, at least substantially all, whatever that means, I'm sure Jeff will tell us, of the fair value of the leased asset. And fifth, uh, it's when the underlying asset for the lease is of such a really specialized nature that it's expected to have really no alternative use to the lesser at the end of the lease term, which to me, Jeff, sounds an awful lot like using up the economic life of the asset. Very good, John. I'm impressed. <laughs> Now, these five criteria replace uh, what used to be the old standard had four bright line tests, so very similar. Uh, the only point that is new is, is item five, uh, where the underlying asset of the lease is, is of such a specialized nature that it's expected to have no alternative use to the, to the lessor at the end of the lease term. And where we see that is with some of our clients uh, that are very, they, they may have very specialized types of manufacturing. They may have dyes that are unique and really unique just to them for the products that they produce and may be very expensive to make the dyes. So in the past, what they've done is they've made the leases be structured in a way that qualified them to be treated as an operating lease and they did not have to capitalize them. Well, the new standard is saying that if an item is so unique, specific to your company and to what you produce, that automatically qualifies as a finance lease. And the same really could be applied to specialized equipment used within a franchise system. Jeff Dean, tell our listeners more about the impact of new obligations of lease liability sitting on one's balance sheet. Now, this is a really a big issue. Um, what's going to occur is, is a portion of that lease is, is going to sit uh, in current, uh, which is going to distort ratios, and then a portion is going to be long-term, uh, similar to debt, and then you'll have a right-to-use asset that's considered to be an intangible asset and classified as a long-term asset. So the total amount recorded will include the liability plus any initial indirect costs and any prepayments less any incentives. So overall, and this is the big point, is the balance sheet is going to look totally different, dramatically different. And for franchisees with, with many leases, they're going to have to go back and recast these leases and determine what amount should be booked on the balance sheet. And again, as you said, an accounting nightmare. Yeah, what I'm worried about is it's, it's really going to impact franchisors when they have to go report to state securities regulators. Now, the regulators are going to want to know why the balance sheets uh, are suddenly looking so different. I think the other point um, is that, and I'm sure Jim can comment on this, uh, the sales process. You know, let's not forget that a state like Minnesota now has a searchable data bank of all the FDDs that are used in Minnesota. You know, someone's going to start looking at these different years and, and then time before. They might not be sophisticated when they're looking for a franchise. Let's say they're, they're one of Jim's hometown heroes. 
and, and they're going to wonder why the present looks so different or dramatically different from the past. Yeah, and I, and I think as you said, uh, John, the, the statement's going to look dramatically different, and we're already seeing examples of this. Uh, publicly traded companies are adopting this in 2019 in advance of the private companies, and we have access to, to see the impact of this in the, in the notes of their financial statements. And, and one restaurant chain uh, has elected the optional transition method, which lets it adopt the new standard in the initial year instead of going back to prior years. And what we're seeing is the numbers are huge. Uh, that, that restaurant chain expects to record an operating lease liability of $2.7 billion, with a B. So now all of a sudden, nothing changes other than a new accounting pronouncement, and their debt-to-equity ratio has worsened significantly because they're booking $2.7 billion worth of liabilities that previously were not on their balance sheet. Jim Powers, uh, what other issues will franchises have with their banks as a result? Well, yeah, a key thing prior to next year will be for franchisees to forecast what the impact will be you know, and then approach the lenders and discuss how the accounting standards will change or impact any covenants. So lenders and banks may allow changes and amendments and waiver letters to help franchisees stay in compliance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree, Jim. And this is where I believe that franchisors can be of real assistance to their franchisees. Uh, really, they can right now be talking to their franchisees about these coming changes and go through the updates to the accounting standards so everyone knows that it's coming. Because now's the time to be thinking about these things and maybe even contacting the banks to lay the groundwork for it. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Listeners, be sure to check out our companion podcast about how franchise revenue recognition is changing. Again, a big shout out and thank you to our distinguished panelists today, John Kutaski of the Fox Rothschild Law Firm, Jeff Dean of BKD CPAs and Advisors, and Jim Powers of Ablac Holdings.